Take your Bibles tonight and go to 1 Samuel chapter number 23. 1 Samuel 23. Back into our series here in 1 Samuel, when a nation needs revival. It's really an indication that churches within that nation need revival. Isn't that right? Yeah. When a nation needs revival, that means that churches within that nation need revival, which means families within those churches need revival, which means individuals within those families need revival. That's how it kind of breaks down, which might mean that's you who stands in need of revival. Zero it in right there. You say, yeah, I'm glad you said that about him. <laughs> no, I was talking to you. It's <laughs> right? talking to me too. We all stand in need of revival along the way. Somebody said that the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. A series of new beginnings, not new salvations. You only get saved one time, but along the way, you got to get renewed spiritually. Get your bearings, get your bearings. We're reading a chapter tonight because a man got his bearings back. He got back on track. He was off and God got him back. Thank God God can do that. Let's read about it. First Samuel 23. Then they told David, verse one, then they told David saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men, in verse 3, said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. <laughs> you know what they're saying? Uh... We're afraid right here. How much more if we go there? Now, I might, I might remind you that these eventually will be known as the mighty men of David. But that's not right now. That's 2 Samuel 22 and 23. This is 1 Samuel. They are afraid. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Verse 4, Then David inquired of the Lord... What does it say? Yet again. Well, I'm glad God lets us come to him yet again. Yet again, he came to him. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass, we're going to read through verse 14, by the way. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David, to Keilah, that he came down, please notice this, with an ephod in his hand. He came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand. Now, isn't that astounding that Saul thought God was still on his side? I found it astounding. <laughs> here's, here's what Saul's thinking. For he, David, is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. I got him. And Saul called all the people together to war and to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly 
practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring hither the ephod. Then said David, notice the prayer right here. Verse, verse number 10, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into the, into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. God provided the guidance that David needed, didn't he? He did. He, he led him. He guided him. Verse, 12, verse number 13 now. Then uh, David, pardon me, and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. It was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. <clears throat> Verse 14, and David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Now, the next verses actually say that Jonathan found him, Saul's son. So he was findable. <laughs> Is that a word? Saul found him. I mean, sorry, Jonathan found him, but Saul couldn't find him. Saul couldn't find him because God hit him. Uh, tonight here using this chapter, I, I love this chapter. It's actually one of my favorite chapters, the first five verses, but I'm going to use it and, and just try to follow it in a little bit of a different approach than I typically would take to it. I like to use it. it God, it probably is just particular to me or special to me because God really used it at a particular time in my life. Um, and I learned from this three keys of spiritual leadership. And I'll probably interweave that somewhere in the message that just because I think it'll be a help to you as well. But the title of the message is this, Pursuing the Right Agenda. Pursuing the Right Agenda. God still speaks to those who are in a position to hear. God still speaks to those who are in a position to hear. So may God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. You're in a position tonight to hear from the Lord. I trust that you, that you will. There's a little... Uh, almost a booklet, a little bit bigger than just a booklet, but a small book called Listening to God by Charles Stanley that was a huge help to me when I was a teenager trying to learn to listen to God. By the way, young people, teenagers, now's a good time for you to start listening to God. And uh, of course, don't wait till you're an adult. You got a lot of big decisions right now. It'd be good for you to learn how to get a hold of God right now in your life, you know, to really seek God's face. But uh, he wrote in this book, one, one of the most important lessons in life that you and I can learn is how to listen to God. In our complex and hectic lives, nothing is more urgent, nothing more necessary, and nothing more rewarding than hearing what God has to say to us, both as bodies of believers as well as individual people. I'm thankful tonight that we can indeed hear from God. You can hear from God. I mean, you got his word. You got his word. You can hear from God. I'm not, I'm not saying that God's going to speak audibly. I'm not saying that God works just in our lives like he did necessarily, like it is here in the days of David. But there's some principles here that if we'll, if we'll really pay attention to it, I think that we can see that God, God indeed can guide us. I do believe that he is a personal God. Amen. 
I believe that uh, he's a shepherd that guides his sheep. I believe he's a commander that guides and leads his army. I, I think that he is the Lord of the harvest that will send forth his laborers into his harvest. And he can lead you and he can guide you specifically if you have a heart and mind to listen and to hear. And so I believe that's very important that we hear from God. Uh, this text certainly is highlighting the need that David had to hear from God. Can you see it? Can you see it early on here as we get started where David's saying, God, shall I go? Shall I do this? Shall I fight against the inhabitants uh, or in, in uh, saving the inhabitants of Keilah? Shall I go against the Philistines? Shall I do this? Shall I do that? God, will they deliver me up? God, will Saul come? I mean, David's asking God all kinds of questions. I'm glad God lets us come to him with all kinds of questions. Amen. You know, I, before we move on, I just want to rejoice in this. The old David is back. I'm talking about the, 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 the uh, psalmist, the, the shepherd that was seeking the Lord. I mean, he's no longer in Gath and he's no longer in Moab and he's no longer doing his own thing. He's not running from God anymore. He's not running away and trying to handle things in his own power. David has an ear for God. It's a blessing. He didn't want to make any decision without God. And everybody here tonight needs to have that mindset. I don't want to make any decision without God. Right? I don't want to make any decision without God. Israel's greatest military hero is here in David, and he made no military move without divine approval. That's the right way. If he was to, to live, he was to live that way, to make no decision without, without God. Now, Saul, on the other hand, <clears throat> Saul was clearly pursuing his own agenda. Now, I think you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, an agenda. Like, you, I mean, you have an agenda. I have an agenda. We, have, we all have agendas, right? It's a plan. It's, uh, it's your, your intent, your goals, you know, your agenda. So um, we're either following our own, own agenda or we're following God's agenda for our lives. It really boils down to that. It's very clear that Saul was, was pursuing his own agenda uh, the last time we were together, we saw this. You can't serve others if you're stuck serving yourself. And Saul was stuck on himself. Isn't that right? Saul was just stuck on himself. And he said, everybody's against me. All of you are against me. Jonathan's against me. David's against me. I mean, he thought there's this big conspiracy against him. He was all in conspiracy theories. Saul was. He probably didn't think birds were real either. Right? Right? Really great? Yeah. Anyways, it's inside joke. I mean, Saul just, Saul thought that there was all kinds of conspiracies against him. Um, in fact, he even thought that the priesthood was against him. And he wiped out Ahimelech and the 85 prophets in, in Nob. I mean, that's terrible. Can I say tonight, thank you. I'll go ahead and say it. You're in a bad spiritual state when you think spiritual leaders are your enemies. People that are there to help you. Here, Saul had, he was believing all these lies in his mind and Ahimelech tried to reason with him. He tried to speak to him. He tried to say to David, or sorry, to Saul, Saul, David's only done, done you well. He's only trying to be a help to you. But Saul wouldn't hear it. He'd build up all these, this wall of lies, so much so that, listen, the truth could not get in. 
He treated God's people as though they were the problem. You know, sin will blind you, won't it? Sin will blind you and, and uh, those living in sin sometimes make those that confront them out to be the bad guys. You ever seen that? It's always the principal's problem. Huh? It's always the parents. They handled this the wrong way. It's the professors. It's the pastor. It's the, it's the assistant pastor. Amen? <laughs> He's about to go on vacation here for a little bit. It's the assistant pastor's problem. Right? You know, when you do that, what you're doing is you're trying to get the attention off of yourself on somebody else. You're pursuing your own agenda. I wonder who God speaks to tonight. Does God speak to somebody and help somebody that's pursuing their own agenda? Or I wonder if God speaks to somebody that's just open to his agenda. And Saul was pursuing his own agenda. And listen to this. When you give yourself to believe in lies, you're prone to fight against those that are trying to help you with the truth. We talked about it last time, but you can get in your mind. Nobody cares about me down there at that church. Not even using real good English when you say stuff like that. Nobody cares for me. Ain't, ain't nobody down there care about me. God can't use me. I'm worthless. Hey, he, he didn't see you as worthless. I don't belong in this church. Everybody down there at that church is a hypocrite. You know, you know what you do when you say something like that? You set yourself up above all. You just, you're, you're some kind of a spiritual giant or judge. Everybody down there at that church is a hypocrite. Listen, hang on. You got to get that before we move on. Everybody down there at that church is a hypocrite. You're so spiritually discerning that you can see that everybody's a hypocrite. Do you feel how you're, okay, you may, not everybody's enjoying this. I guess I'll have to just move on, but you kind of lift yourself up to say something like that. And Saul had this in his mind. Everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody, nobody does anything to help me. Nobody, nobody ever texts me. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, look, when you alienate yourself from God, don't be surprised when you find yourself at odds with people who represent God. And that's exactly where, that's exactly where Saul was. Saul was pursuing his own agenda. Look back in the text, if you would please, here with me in, in verse number one. It says, then they told David, saying, behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah. Hang on, wait a minute. Anybody find a problem with that? They came to David. Did you see that? They came to David. Wait a minute. Why did they come to David? I mean, wait, who's, who's the king? King is... Uh, the, the king is Saul. Saul is the king. They should have come to King Saul, but instead they went to David. And that's why David prays. Part of the reason why he prays, Lord, do you want me to do this? Because he knew it wasn't his place. He knew it rightfully was the place of Saul. He also knew that he needed God's help. And he also knew, I better make sure that God wants me to do this because I'm getting a real bad fix if I'm attacking here the Philistines and then Saul finds out and then I've got two enemies that I'm fighting against. Are you following what I'm saying right there? So he knew that he had to get the mind of God on this. But I think the main reason that David did that is because he knew that he was not the king. He was not the one that was responsible. Saul was pursuing his own agenda. Now listen, every one of us need to get this deep down in our soul. When you pursue your own agenda, you leave those that you're supposed to be protecting wide open to the attack of the enemy. 
Saul should have been protecting Keilah. Keilah was about, uh, about uh, 10 miles or so uh, away. It was an isolated city. It was a very vulnerable city. It was about 10 miles even from Gath, rather. It's just about two or three miles from the cave of Dulam. And so it was very vulnerable to the raids of the Philistines. And here the Philistines, they robbed the threshing floors, meaning this, it was, up, it was time for the wheat harvest or the barley harvest. And, and so they'd have those, uh, those, that threshing of the wheat up there on the top of the mountains. And so the Philistines came in and robbed those threshing floors. Listen, the, the people of Keilah were not receiving what they needed because Saul was pursuing his own agenda. When you pursue your own agenda, you leave those that are under your care wide open to the attack of the enemy. Now listen, every dad in here needs to take heed to that. You're supposed to serve He's pursuing God's agenda, meaning leading God in your family. And, 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 but a lot of men have been caught up pursuing the American dream and left their family wide open to the attack of the enemy. This is a dangerous plot, spot right here. Many men have been very much pursuing their, uh, their, their interests and their pursuits, their pleasures and, and, and their, uh, maybe their, their hobbies and things of that nature. And, and like Brother Humbert said last week, a lot more men know sports stats than they know scripture. Pursuing, what, what is he saying there? They're pursuing their own agenda. When you pursue your own agenda, you leave your family wide open to the enemy's attack. We need to be pursuing God's agenda. So David is pursuing God's agenda. He says in verse number one, uh, sorry, verse number two, uh, shall I go and smite the Philistines? Shall I go and smite the Philistines? He begins with prayer. Shall I go and smite them? And, and God says, yes, I want you to go and smite them. And so he go, evidently, the text doesn't tell us this, but he evidently goes to his men and he says, listen, men, there's 600 of them now. God wants us to go and smite the Philistines. And they say, wait a minute, David, um, sir, I just wonder who said this. You know, eventually these men are going to be the mighty men of David, as I already mentioned. One of them is going to, going to chase uh, Benaiah. He's going to chase a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Typically, when you see a lion, you run from the lion. That's the smart, intelligent thing to do. But when you're a mighty man of David, he chased the lion and ran him into a pit and got down in there and fought him and killed him. But right here, he's saying, yeah, uh, we're afraid right here. The three keys to leadership, let me just mention them to you. Prayer, initiative, and compassion. God used those three keys to really help me at a very critical time in life. Prayer, initiative, and compassion. We got to begin with prayer because everything depends on God. But then you got to take initiative because God expects you to do something in the midst of everything. And then you got to have compassion on people because people need compassion. Isn't that true? Well, don't you need compassion and don't I need compassion? Prayer, initiative, and compassion. I'm telling you, it came to me at a very critical time. My very first experience was kind of like what, what David had as we read back in chapter number 22. It says that they were in debt and distressed and discontented. And I was uh, trying to lead a, a group of young men uh, on third floor Smith in, at Baptist Bible College. That was my first group to lead of, a, of uh, adult type people. Freshman, <laughs> there's all floor, the whole floor. The whole dorm was a freshman dorm. Four floors of it. It was awesome. Started out with 30, about 30 guys, best of my mind uh, serves me. We started out with about 30 guys. And by the spring semester and come May, 
We finished with 18. All those guys got kicked out. A lot of them uh, just didn't go to class. One guy from Texas, that wasn't his problem, but um, <laughs> one guy from Texas, uh, he was all the time hunting and fishing. I mean, I'm, I mean to tell you, he was catching all kinds of stuff, hunting all kinds of stuff. Came home, came to his room, room one time and he had a bat, like a bat out of a cave flying around in his room. I said, Mike, you can't have a bat in your room. He had a, a, a tarantula at a certain time of the year. These spiders in Missouri move across, they migrate, and he caught one of them and brought him into the room. I came home one day and there was on my door a sign that said, uh, Acts 17:6, they that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. <laughs> Open up my door. My couch was upside down. My pictures were upside down. All my books were upside down. They climbed over. Don't get any ideas. They climbed over. They climbed over the wall and got in there and turned everything upside down and they had come hither also. Came home another day and Oh, no, I, I definitely don't need to tell this story. Let me think of another one. <laughs> I am not giving ideas. I'm just simply saying it was, a, it was really a, a rough group of guys. Broke up a fight the first week of school and they rearranged their dorm. They had, we had these big closets that went from ceiling to floor. I have no idea to this day how they rearranged it, but it's kind of cool the way they did it. As they walked in and kind of made a little hallway to get into the rest of the room, I said, guys, you can't do that, you know? But they were pretty ingenuitive. Uh, they had ingenuitive. <laughs> Innovative. <laughs> but we started with 30 and we ended with that about 18. And it really shook my confidence as a leader because I thought, maybe I'm not cut for this. Starting with that many and ending with that many? That's not good odds. Um, so I, our dean of men gave that devotion. And he said, listen, gentlemen, there's three keys to leadership. There's prayer, initiative, and compassion. So I took those three words and I put prayer on one wall, initiative on the other wall, and compassion on the other. And just tried to lead that way. I've been trying to do it since uh, 1996. Starting with prayer, taking initiative, and having compassion. One of the guys on that floor is Phil Leidick. He went on to Heartland Baptist Bible College and became an RA, and I hope he got a real good dose of what he gave that year. <laughs> He's pastoring a church in Washington State and doing great. A lot of those guys, I'm not sure where they are, if they're incarcerated or where they might be, but pretty rough group. Still love them. Still go down the hall and remember all their names. It's a pretty rough group, but God loved them. This group that David started out with, they were a pretty rough group. In distress, discontent, and in debt. Bible college students. But he started with prayer, and he took initiative, and he had compassion. Men, you know, as you lead your home, what does it take? Prayer initiative and compassion. Ladies, as you serve as a wife or as a mom, what does it take? How about this? Prayer, initiative, and compassion. Tons of compassion. Did you work a bus route, what does it take? Prayer, initiative, and compassion. Did you work with young people, what does it take? Prayer, initiative, and compassion. I found this to be very helpful in life. Prayer, initiative, and compassion. 
The next year uh, we made it through that third floor Smith year. My, uh, I'll mention this and we'll move on. But that next year was our senior year. I thought, God, what do you want me to do? I wanted to pray about it. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to be an RA again or do you want me to be married? Um, <laughs> and uh, I just felt like God wanted us to be RAs one more year. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad that God worked it out that way. I was ready to be married for sure, just to get out of the dorms. <laughs> and because I loved Angie, of course. But <laughs> Let me flip the order on that. Because I loved Angie. And secondly, I wanted to get out of the dorms. <laughs> Man, I am not doing well here tonight. <laughs> but that, that first floor group, they really, they were all on board. We started with a certain number and ended with a certain number, same, same number. It's a blessing. Um, came uh, Christmas time and we were going to do a dorm decorations. We had like an open house and, and uh, be open where people could come over and you get creative and decorate the dorms and and so um, I asked the guys in the, in the floor meeting and said, hey, what do y'all want to do? And one of them stood up, never forget, Justin Ross said, Brother Gaddis, you're our leader. What do you want us to do? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Man, I wasn't used to that. And we decorated the floor, and I can't believe they let us do that, but we put uh, straw down the hallway and decorated like it was a barn. Were you born in a barn? That was the question. And uh, we were born in a barn, and one guy made a horse head out of cardboard. He, like, talk about origami on steroids. I mean, just incredible. And, and, and were you born in a barn? And at the end, we had the manger scene. Aren't you glad he was willing to? Something like that. It had tracks made up. It was awesome. But it's still, whether you got a rough group, like a third floor Smith group, or one that's very compliant, you still got to start with prayer, take initiative, and have compassion. Three keys of leadership. Got a lot of years out of that. Still a long, God willing, way to go. It's been very helpful. Very helpful. Dave, here's the thing I'm trying to get across tonight. He knew he needed God's leadership. Shall I go? Yes. Then go tell the men. We're afraid. Go back to prayer. Take initiative. Have compassion. God gave the victory. So, so then this whole scenario plays out. And this is the part of the story that I haven't really ever paid just like real close attention to. But Abiathar, who escaped from Nob, he was the only priest that escaped. And he came, and listen, listen to this. I had never noticed this, but he came, watch, at just the right time. Because he's, God has used David to deliver them, but then Saul finds out that David is there. And Saul says, isn't this delusional? He thought, oh, see, God has delivered him into my hand. You know, just because somebody says God has done something doesn't mean that God has done something. And so Saul thinks that God has done this, but obviously God's nowhere near that. And, and so, but here's what David did. David said to Abiathar, Abiathar, understand that Saul is in the area. And, and the Bible says very clearly, in fact, 47%, somebody pointed this out in a commentary, 47% of the chapter here that we're reading is about Abiathar and the ephod, which means that evidently it was very much about God's leadership in David's life. 
You say, well, what's the ephod? The ephod was the, the priestly garment, specifically that, that, uh, that basically a breastplate that he would wear. And it had the 12 stones on the breastplate indicating the 12 tribes of Israel had the stone here and a stone here is six names, six names. The 12 tribes of Israel indicating that the priest would bear responsibility before God and hear from God on behalf of the people and pass it on to the people. Are you following me here? And he would carry the people upon his heart and he would provide the leadership that was there. But then it also had the Urim and the Thummim and Thummim and, and I'm not sure exactly how that worked, except it just was very clear that that's how that they would seek God's leadership then. And so David says, listen, I need to hear from God on this. And so he calls for Abiathar who had escaped and got there just at the right time. I'm telling you this, this evening, it was not coincidence. This was the providential hand and leadership of God because here is a, a man that was not yet king, but watch this, listen very closely right here. Here's a man named David who was seeking, I'm sorry, who was pursuing God's agenda and those who seek God's agenda see God's leadership. Here's Saul who was seeking his own agenda, who thought he had God's leadership, but God was nowhere near that. I said, God was nowhere near that because when you're pursuing your own agenda, you may think you know God's will, but if you're pursuing your own agenda rather than God's agenda, you've just deceived yourself into thinking that and God is not in it. But here's a man that was earnestly and humbly, he learned the hard way, hadn't he? And now he's pursuing God's agenda and God is leading David. And David says to God, God, will Saul come and attack? And if he comes and attacks, will they, the people of Keilah, deliver me up? Well, he had just delivered them from the hand of the Philistines. You would think that they would not deliver him just out of courtesy and, and love. But, but wait a minute. Uh, David understood that it would probably happen to them just like it did the inhabitants of Nob. Saul would have wiped them out. And so David needed to hear from God on what he ought to do. And God told David, David, listen, they will deliver you up. Now that's not gratitude, but that is reality. And, and God told him that yes, they will deliver you up. And so what David did is he escaped and they went into the wilderness of Ziph and God hid David real well so that Saul could not find him. David continued to have God's guidance in his life because he was pursuing the right agenda. Saul was pursuing the wrong agenda. So I'm here just simply to ask you tonight, whose agenda are you seeking? I'm here to, I'm here to make, make sure everybody here understands this, that everybody here needs to hear from God. Everybody here, you need to be seeking God. This is a good time in your life, whatever time it is. Doesn't matter if you're an adult, a senior adult, this is a good time in your life to be, see, be seeking God. Isn't that right? You never get to a place, by the way, where you don't need to seek God anymore. You don't. You're all, you say, well, the young people, they really need to seek God. Oh, yes, they do. Believe, believe you me, absolutely, they need to seek God. But so does everybody else here tonight. We all really need to seek God's leadership. You need God's hand on this. I was speaking to one of the seniors yesterday and said, hey, do you know what your next step is? And, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not really sure, but I, I'm, I'm trying to seek the Lord about it. I thought, man, that's a good time to start seeking God right now. Well, a senior understands it's on. A senior understands that, right? A senior in high school or a senior in college, you really got to seek God. But wait a minute, it's not just a senior in high school and a senior in college, it's a senior citizen that needs to be seeking the mind of God on these things. We, we've got to be pursuing God's agenda. What does pursuing God's agenda look like? Well, let's just start with the basics. It, it begins with this, prayer and Bible reading. Don't say that you're seeking God's will for your life if you're not doing those basic things. 
Hello? Does that make sense? I mean, you got to start right there. You, you need to hear from God. So get into his word and get into his presence through prayer. And listen to this. This is really basic, but we got to start with the basics. You got to stay in church. Stay in church and stay where you're in a position where you can hear from God. Listen, Saul was not hearing from God anymore. You know why? He wasn't in a position to. David was hearing from God. You know why? He was in a position to. It's not really difficult, is it? Stay in a place. Look, look, you're seeking God's will about something. Maybe what your next step is or what you ought to do about this situation or that. Here's, here's one thing to do. Start with what you do know to be God's will. Start right there. It's, it's easier to steer a moving vehicle than it is one just sitting still. You ever try to turn the wheel on a car that's just sitting there, even with power steering? How many, how, which is easier? One that's moving and you can, I mean, you're going 70. I mean, not, not much movement needed. But if you're just sitting there, right? So what am I saying? Get to moving. Do what you know to be God's will. Well, what is God's will? God, it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So go after them. We got Sunday school campaign coming on. You know what, you know what, I, what is God's will for every one of our lives? Pursue some sinners and pursue some people that are at church and try to help them get, in, get involved in church. Listen, start right there. Pursue God's agenda. Well, I really want to know what God's will is. Start doing his will. No, 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 preacher, you don't understand. I want to know what God's will is for my life. I want to know who I'm supposed to marry. Okay, I tell you what, do go door knocking. I'm not talking about going door to door trying to find the wife. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm talking about just, just do what you know to be God's will. And then God has a way of making all those things evident. I've used it before, but it fits here too. You know, tonight when you, when you leave, your headlights are only going to show about 100 yards ahead of you or so, something like that. We'll drive that far and then they'll shine a little bit further. You drive that far, then they show a little bit further and so forth. Same way with following God's will. God doesn't work in a way where he gives you every single turn. Oftentimes what I have found in following God's will in your life is just God shall I? Do you want me to do this right here? You do that and then God shows you the next step. And you do that and then God shows you the next step and so forth and so on until he gets you where he wants you to be. That's how we ended up here in Oklahoma City. I had no idea that we'd have the privilege and honor and opportunity to be at Southwest Baptist Church. I mean, I remember what it was like coming here from Missouri and I, I couldn't wait to get to Southwest Baptist Church to get to hear the singing and see Brother Floyd lead the singing, hear Brother Sam preach. I couldn't wait to do that. But I had no idea that we'd be here. But here's what I did know. God wanted us in Republic, Missouri. And I was praying about India and I thought we'd be in India, but then God led us here. And I'm so thankful that God did just step by step, turn by turn, day by day, moment by moment, seeking God, pursuing his agenda. And then God will lead you. But back to the question, preacher, I want to know who I'm supposed to marry. Just pursue God's agenda. Today, just, just, just the basics. Just don't, don't overlook that. Just the basics. Yeah, but I, I want to know if I'm supposed to take that job. Well, let's start with the basics. Are you, are you reading God's word? Ah, it's been a while. Get back in the word. When, when's the last time you had a season of prayer? It's been a while. Get back in prayer. Uh, are you coming to Sunday school? No, making it to church. Get in Sunday school. Let, let, let's not make it more complicated. Let's just do what is the basics. 
and, and then those that are pursuing God's agenda, is, would you agree, is that God's agenda for our lives? That we would commune with him, walk with him, listen to him and, and be faithful to him and not watch this because, because watch this, if, if we get off pursuing the American dream of material gain and all those things, will you get off? You're highly likely to get off right there because you neglect God's agenda. You get to pursue your own agenda. Get to pursuing pleasure or you get bent out of shape about something and you're kind of fuming and think, Pfft. you're inclined to get off track right there. What would God's will be? You heard it tonight, Brother Eustace mentioned it, forgiveness. That'll go a long way. What is God's agenda for your life? Pursue that and then watch this. God will guide you. It's a simple way to live, isn't it? We need not make it so complicated. Let's just know God's agenda and set ourselves to be in a position to do it. And God will speak to those that want to hear. He'll speak to those that want to hear. Let's stand tonight. I trust that's been a help to you here this evening. Are you pursuing God's agenda? Saul was pursuing his own. It's so clear. And look, dear friend, look where pursuing his own agenda led him. David, on the other hand, was pursuing God's agenda. And look where pursuing God's agenda led him, all the way to the throne of Israel, doing what God had called him to do. Young people, I encourage you tonight, just start pursuing God's agenda, putting God first in your life. Young adults here tonight, right on up into the real people's class, make pursuing God's agenda your agenda. Father in heaven, thank you tonight. This passage has been a help to me and, and even this time around in a different way. <clears throat> I thank you for how you've used your word. and God, uh, how that we can get off pursuing our own agenda and it adversely affects kids and grandkids and futures. But God, if we'll just put you first, and really seek you, then God, you lead us and guide us. I thank you for it tonight. Please bless this invitation now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're singing page 484. Brother Aaron's going to lead us. Um, join these that have come to the altar. If God spoke to your heart, would you as we sing? Page 484, Living for Jesus.